Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Nakia Brown the African-American Affinity Group Black History Month lead of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Black History Month podcast series. This is the second installment. Um, Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm here joined today by Luvere Walker-Hannon, the SWE African-American Affinity Group lead. Lou is a MathWorks Senior Application Engineer who provides direction and recommendations on technical workflows for various applications. Specifically, she assists with the following topics, image processing, computer vision, machine learning, deep learning, geospatial analysis, and data analytics when discussing technical workflows. She has a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering and a master's degree in geographic information technology with a specification in remote sensing. Lou has worked in three different engineering roles throughout her 20-year career while at MathWorks. Lou is a member of the Society of Women Engineers, the National Society of Black Engineers, the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, and other organizations. She has a long history of serving as a STEM member. She has a long history of serving as a STEM mentor. Thanks for joining us today, Louvier. Thank you again, and uh, we welcome you to this podcast. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Nakia, for having me. Thank you. Happy no to be problem. here. No uh, problem. So we'll go ahead and get right on in here. So what initially sparked or inspired your interest in STEM? What initially inspired my interest in STEM was being curious about how a lot of different systems worked. And I remember this from the time I was probably in kindergarten, where I would just think about, you know, how is this working, whether it was the television or, you know, so many different items. So I thought, you know, I probably can, you know, try to explore how these items work. And that was my pathway towards STEM. Oh, that's great. That's great. I definitely have a similar situation from way back when watching so many different uh, TV shows and uh, just trying to understand how things work. Just really interested in kind of that uh, avenue of um, STEM and engineering. So definitely, definitely understand. Uh, As you have a very decorated background and are involved in so many different things, especially with mentoring and volunteer activities, could you walk us through some of your top highlighted academic and professional accomplishments? Well, let's see. So I'm going to start by saying one of the areas that I'm very, very proud of is a lot of the volunteer work that I aim to do. And one area that I'm very proud of is I'm a lead, a volunteer lead of a chapter of Black Girls Code. 
And I happen to be a part of the Boston chapter of Black Girls Code. And I'm very happy to be the curriculum lead and also the chapter lead where being able to provide guidance to many individuals related to learning about STEM, related to learning about coding and so many other topics. It's I'm very proud of that particular accomplishment. And in terms of other areas, I have succeeded technically in my role where I was voted as the application engineer of the year in 2020. So I was able to help quite a few customers with their technical workflows and assist colleagues internally to my company as well. And kind of one last category that I'll mention as an accomplishment, I've had the opportunity to present at a number of different STEM-related conferences, both as a presenter and as a panelist. And that's also been a series of accomplishments I'm very proud of. Oh, no, you definitely should be extremely proud of. And we thank you for your dedication and volunteerism um, and giving back to the communities and giving back to young girls, especially black girls uh, in this particular um, avenue as well, too. So, no, thank you. What was your enlightening moment uh, where it hit you on large gaps and disadvantages of women, uh, more specifically black women in STEM areas? Well, this is a great question, and I think it's very prominent in terms of just kind of looking around. If you look at most STEM-related companies and professions, you can probably count the number of women you see, let alone the number of Black women that you see in so many different roles. And this is regardless if we're talking about whether it's an engineering role explicitly or any of the letters that make up STEM. So one of the items that would always, you know, make me think, wow, I'm one of a few is whenever I would go on business trips and have various, you know, technical sessions with customers and just look around these various organizations and you would not see a number of women and specifically not a number of black women. So in terms of this question, I think it just happens frequently where I say it's a collection of moments and not just one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for highlighting all of those gaps. Unfortunately, we still have them today, but uh, we're slowly getting there, you know, closing the gap. So 2020 was definitely an interesting year, not just because of the pandemic challenges, but also an eye opener of the current racial injustices and biases that are still well and alive today. What are some of the turning points of change that you've seen in relation to minorities and positive outcomes that you've seen in the industry by various companies and organizations? So one of the major changes that I saw related to a number of the events from 2020 related to turning points of change in relation to minorities and positive outcomes in, I'll say, the STEM industries is related to a lot of these companies under the category of being in STEM industries are now willing to have conversations to highlight that there are so many areas within their own companies or 
related to education where there's a lot of inequality still to this day. So a lot of places are willing to have more of that conversation. A lot of places have also become very willing to actually, you know, do something to try to say, you know what, let's look at our recruitment practices. Let's see how we are supporting our current employees who may be from, let's say, underserved communities. So I think that in addition to being willing to have more conversations, a lot of organizations have decided to also actually become active and see about their current practices and make changes. I think a lot of those changes are still in process and maybe haven't fully been implemented yet, but at least I have seen some starting points at trying to rectify some issues. Thank you. Um, And while you're mentioning some of those highlighted areas, I guess the other side of that is where do you also see the struggles and gaps that need more insight and push to close those gaps as well, too? Right. Because even though I guess we're starting to see more wide scale attention being brought and actions occurring, you're right. There are quite a few struggles and gaps. And two areas where I feel that there are still struggles and gaps are related to a number of, let's say, current employees and various organizations for STEM-related roles, where for current employees, there's still the big question of, you know, how do we move a number of people who are identified as minority members or members from underserved communities into leadership roles? Because even though there may be X number of people who are individual contributors you have even fewer that are possibly in leadership roles in many of these organizations. So I think organizations need to look at what's happening in terms of leadership and having representation for many people in terms of leadership roles. Uh, Another area too, where there seems to be a struggle and a gap is even though that there's a tension being brought to, let's look at our recruitment practices. I still think that that is a big area that's going to take quite a bit of time Because for recruitment, bringing in the next generation of STEM professionals, there are still quite a few gaps that I've seen in a few different organizations. Okay. Yes. No, definitely understand. Still see those as well, too. Thank you for giving your insight on that as well. Um, Being an engineer myself, um, I always have to go find some kind of data or look up and research some things that kind of understand where we are. So I was able to find a study by Sui um, and Nesby uh, that was conducted by both a few years ago, which highlighted several factors that contributed to the lack of women and minorities in engineering. A few of the contributors were lack of role models, obviously the stereotypes and biases, but also feeling isolated or alone. What other factors would you attribute and what solutions would you recommend that could help mitigate this? So all of those contributors are just still so prominent. And there are just a few others that I can really think of at this time. One factor I feel is still related to being able to have the ability to even go to school related to funding, because I feel that funding is still a factor for quite a few individuals that are trying to go beyond the undergraduate level. So when individuals are interested in trying to go for their master's degrees and beyond, I think funding is still a 
big factor that's on top of all the other contributors that you listed. And I think a big solution for that is to have partnerships possibly with companies in the STEM industry where they could possibly have, let's say, more fellowships that would allow individuals to have a pathway to not only get their education, but also go through some formal professional mentorship to be able to have a formal pathway into those companies. So I see that as a a very large contributor as well. No, that's great. That is definitely great. Uh, So how do you see SWE fitting into this area of driving more women of color in the workplace? So I see both organizations, SWE and Nesby, you know, fitting into this area of making certain there are more women of color in the workplace is by, I'd say, two big areas. So number one, they can help provide a voice to women of color in terms of being able to hopefully listen to them and just listen to what are their concerns? What are their frustrations? Because I think in order to figure out how can we come up with some solutions, let's first hear or continue to hear these frustrations. And then the second component is trying to actually do some problem solving to say, okay, you know, here are these issues, here are these pains. And now let's go into problem solving mode and see about coming up with solutions. And I feel both of these organizations are suited to helping, you know, recommend solutions, not just to the organizations themselves that were mentioned, but to companies and to quite a few additional organizations as well. Oh, no, great. Yes, Nesby is definitely another avenue as well, too, um, right along with SWE to kind of help close these gaps. Um, No, thank you for your feedback into this. What advice would you offer to young ladies um, and even students, um, high school students and professionals within STEM, uh, but struggle due to some of the things highlighted today? Well, this is definitely not only an interesting question, but also I think it has a variety of answers. So one of the biggest topics I'm a big believer in is making certain that you have a support system. And that support system can come from a variety of places. And it may not necessarily be your, you know, family members. It could be your colleagues in different areas. It could be friends, but have a support system that is going to uplift you, especially in those moments where you may be doubting yourself where things are not going in a direction that you anticipate. So make certain that you have a support system. And the second item that I would say to young ladies and students and professionals within STEM, but you know, struggle with a few factors is keep trying, try to persevere because one of the biggest items is you know, there are going to be some roadblocks along that journey, but those roadblocks, I think, can help us learn and to help us grow even more. So we can try to say, okay, yes, I had this roadblock. What were the issues? You know, how can I possibly work around this roadblock and continue on my journey? So try to keep persevering is the other big item I would advise. So these roadblocks you mentioned, um, especially in the professional environment for a working woman, 
um, and definitely one that is in the leadership role, uh, can be difficult to help find a healthy work-life balance. What do you do to unwind and disconnect from your professional responsibilities? Um, just to kind of, I guess, remove some of the layer of the onion to some of these roadblocks or some of the difficulties that you see? What are some of the recommendations that you provide? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the items is I think we're all still learning. So I will, you know, be transparent and point out that, you know, I don't have this completely figured out, but what has helped me in terms of being able to unwind and disconnect from professional responsibilities and move around roadblocks is, you know, being able to take a step back and try to reflect and try to see, okay, you know, this is where I started. Let's say it's related to a project and, you know, this is how far I've made some progress. So I try to need to take a step back and reflect. And how do I perform this reflection? I typically say, you know what, I have to physically, especially during this time of the you know, pandemic to take a step back, get away from my computer for work and try to listen to some music to help me refocus and center myself. And then after I refocus, then I say, okay, you know, I've taken a break and this break could even be as short as let's say 10 minutes, but to just take that physical step back and try to clear my mind to say, okay, let me come back and revisit this particular topic, whether it's a roadblock or some sort of activity related to work. Uh, another item that I try to do to unwind and disconnect from professional responsibilities is to make certain that I'm aware of trying to separate my work time from my non-work time, so to speak. I know it's been difficult for a number of us during the pandemic but one of the things I do is I say, listen, I have this fixed schedule. It's now this time. It's the end of my workday. And I need to go and do my other activities, even if it entails, you know, going to just watching TV for a few minutes or even trying to do some other task around the house. Just to give yourself some kind of break. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> And uh, there's so many other things too. So I definitely know during the pandemic, I've been better about reading more books again. I have to admit prior to the pandemic, it was difficult with work-related travel and so many other tasks that needed to be done. But, you know, taking time to step out of my, my current reality, so to speak, and try to go into another world, even if it's just temporarily. Yes, definitely. And like you mentioned, the pandemic definitely has kind of dampered some of the additional things, whether it's, you know, being around other people, around, around your family, around your friends or vacationing. Um, but you still were able to find different ways to just kind of break off and kind of unwind from the work so you can have that work-life balance. Definitely. Um, and lastly, how can others in the industry create a more diverse, inclusive environment within their organizations, companies, teams, and or their personal lives? Okay. And I once again want to say, I think for this question, that I think there are so many people and organizations that are still trying to figure this out. And once again, there's no one set solution. One of the ways that I think others in industry can 
create a more diverse, inclusive environment within their various organizations is to make certain that you really take a moment to look and observe if various members of that organization have the opportunity to, you know, provide feedback and to make certain that feedback is taken into account. Also, make certain that there are opportunities when they come up for, let's say, certain projects. Make certain you don't have just the the same individuals work on these projects because far too often, and I think it comes from comfort, where comfort and familiarity, where people know, okay, I'm aware of you know so and so. I've worked with so and so on this project in the past, and I, I definitely know what they can do. But without trying to say, let's bring newer people into the fold, especially people that are from diverse backgrounds versus many of the others in an organization, then that individual will typically not have those chances, not have those opportunities to work on these other projects. The other theme too that I think needs to occur more often is people need to speak up and speak out. And you don't necessarily have to do it where, you know, we're literally, let's say, yelling and screaming. Sometimes you may have to do that. But, you know, you can speak up and speak out by just highlighting, you know what, I made this observation related to our team. And I just wonder why we don't have people from, let's say, XYZ background on the team and start to make people question and hopefully have a willingness to answer these questions. And maybe if there's the attempt to answer these questions, people will start to try to follow up and say, well, why don't we have this? Why isn't this occurring? Correct, correct. Now, we all have to do our part, whether we're the victim or the perpetrator. Sometimes people just do not understand um, how things can be offensive or uh, non-inclusive. So uh, we all have to take some type of ownership in ensuring that we are um, highlighting some of these issues that are our forefronts today. So Lou, uh, thank you again so, so much. And I appreciate it for taking the time out to speak with us this Black History Month and for providing inspiration and some real valuable insight for our current and future engineers, as well as leaders. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. And this was a pleasure. Thank you again. So if you all have not done so by now, please uh, go to our sweet.org website. Search for Black History Month. You will see weekly highlights of some of the great engineers that we have in our membership uh, that we're highlighting this month for Black History Month. I am Nakia Brown. Thank you again for all of us at SWE. Thanks for listening.